Time once again for T. Watts and TR on the Bama Online podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, alongside site publisher Tim Watts. It is a Thursday, June the 8th, and by my math, Tim, that tells me we are exactly one week into Bama Online's arrival to the On3 network. What about that, Tim? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's been amazing. Of course, we knew, um, you know, we knew Andrew Bone and I've gotten close the last couple of years. Joseph Hastings, a good young kid. Clint Lamb, I think you've seen on the beat for a while. Um, me, you and Charlie show up. Jimmy Stein, you know, who both of us have known. I've known Jimmy for 20, you know, we, we didn't have gray hair when we knew each other. So it's been that long. Um, but yeah, to get over here, to finally get over here, because it was a long wait. I mean, we, you know, we were at, you know, 24-7 for a long time, and we saw one guy drift off, you know, one of the guys that we we worked with, one of the guys we're close with. They just kept drifting off till it got down to to us and Rusty Manziel, and then Rusty went in May, and we went in June. So, But I can say this. I don't think it – I expected it to go well. I had high expectations. I mean, this staff's, you know, it's incredible. The recruiting coverage, the team coverage, the opinions alone is what I loved. You know, so many people have just an opinion. Um, I expected to go well, but it's went it's went even better than I expected. So it's really amazing, um, amazing to be part of this staff. Yeah, a lot of credit to the on three folks uh, because just navigating the site, checking out again the board, the roundtable, of course, still a part of what we do. Big big part of what we do at BamaOnline.com. Uh, those folks have done a tremendous job too. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they were prepared for us. They had, you know, we kind of had the benefit, you know, with the startup company. This isn't the first time we migrated from Rivals to, mm-hmm. to 24-7. And I think Shannon Terry kind of times it where I'm not there on day one because I'm such the squeaky wheel. You ever heard that squeaky wheel gets the gets the oil? I'm gets such, the oil, yeah. I'm such the squeaky wheel. So he knows that with the startup, you've got a million little things you're trying to check off and fix and do all that. So um, I think it's better we come a little bit down the road, but they were prepared for us. I mean, you could tell they were excited. And, you know, we flip over at, you know, 12.01 Eastern, you know, at midnight. You know, it's a pretty good crowd. and uh, Just, you know, blended really well together. So, yeah, they did a good job getting ready for us. And they they had been ready for us for a while. I know they were anticipating us coming. Yeah, I like the way you rolled into this transition, too, by uh, going to Europe for three weeks. That's a, That's the way to do it. I mean, if you're going to make a jump, uh, get get that kind of vacation in before uh, before everything goes into effect. Let me tell you, I still realize after the fact I make the same decisions in my 50s that I made when I was 17. <laughs> I still do the dang, same dumb shit. I mean, I literally roll in on Rome time, Italy time, said I was fine, went to bed the first night, and then for three days I was just getting hammered. I mean, we had a lot to do on the site and Message boards were active, but I just couldn't. I was on the back porch. It's 3 o'clock, and I'm almost sound asleep. It's 3 p.m., and basically I just forgot that, you know, two days earlier we had, you know, it had been 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know. Didn't see any sports-wise over there, so very interesting time. But, yeah, hit the ground, came back the 30th, 31st at midnight. We roll out, so it was a busy three or four days for for me. So for the Griswats, as we'll refer to it, uh, what was the procession there in Europe? The, all the, the places that you were able to hit. And give me the best food you had while over there. I just think that's an impossible because we went to London, Amsterdam, Venice, nice. Florence, Rome. So there's really just like, I tell you the best food experience I think we had was there's a place called Borough Market in London. And it's kind of like a really good flea market for food. <laughs> I don't know any other way to describe it, but it was super crowded. You could get fresh cheese, fresh meats, fresh olives. You could get every food. They had meat pies. They had great desserts. They just had, you know, it's kind of place you could just take a whole family. There's six of us. We walk in, drop off, and everybody can just go which way they, they want to go. But, of course, you know, the you know, the. The fish dishes in Venice were unbelievable. They had a Florentine steak. I tell you, that, that was probably the weirdest experience is they have. I didn't know Florence was famous for steaks, and they're famous for this 
this huge steak they've got. And while we're ordering it, it's on me and Heather's anniversary. Shay Dixon and his wife were with us too. They joined us for part of the trip. They wanted to wanted to measure it or tell us how much in HG. That was a weight measurement. And it took 20 minutes to figure out what HG was. I ended up just going away with all uh with all banter and said, How much is this? <laughs> <laughs> Just tell me how much is this? And uh, it was a great experience. I mean, we didn't have a bad meal. I mean, you know, pizza, it's hard. You know, you really got to work hard to find a bad meal when you're in Italy, I think. Sort of like um, sort of like New York City where you can just round a corner and grab a piece of pizza. I mean, it's a, you know, it's more Italian, but you can grab a panini or a sandwich or a piece of pizza at just about any corner. Um, so I don't think we had a single meal, single bad meal. Yeah, I got to get to Italy. Haven't been there. I've done London, done Amsterdam. Um, London's cool, man. I enjoyed London probably more than I thought I would, more than I enjoyed Paris, I would say. Amsterdam, I probably enjoyed a little bit more than London. Everybody's got their thoughts on it. Now, I'm assuming you guys did the train system. Is that right? Getting around? What What were your thoughts on that? Had you previously done the, the train? I, I think it's maybe the greatest thing going on uh on the globe right now over there in europe talking about the, oh yeah the train system i thought you're talking about the tube um yeah we trained from uh venice to florence and florence to rome and it yeah it was the it was very similar i tell you one of the reasons we like to do you know during covid uh covid at the end of it we were able to take a trip to new york boston and uh new york city and we took a train from uh, new york to washington and we had a great time because there's no bustle of the airport, you know, man, those, I mean, mm-hmm. we go to Heathrow, we go to the Rome airport. I think it's uh, Da Vinci. It is a friggin' wild, you know, we're there two and a half early. You know me, I'm early, you know, two and a half hours early. You know me, I'm early for basically everything I can. And, um, dude, it still just felt like we were, you know, in a massive rush to get there. So I love the train system. Uh, we, we did it, you know, we, we, uh, we took a duffel bag each and a backpack each and we went, 18 19 nights i think it was 19 nights it was through europe and survived we found places to watch <laughs> clothes and uh we watched clothes every five days and we just kept on going didn't have to worry about check luggage or any of that stuff everybody had one bag to carry in a backpack and you know all of nice. us the kids did great it was the, i'd recommend it for anybody as long as you can figure out where you're going to wash you know and those trips are hectic when you get a chance to wash and be alone and just sit there for an hour and a half, it's pretty therapeutic. My wife, <laughs> my wife, wanted to wash every day. It's so at the end of it, I think. Oh man! So from Europe to the craziness that is the month of June, as if we didn't have enough going on already with BOL and on three. Uh, but man, when you talk about Alabama football, Alabama basketball, so much going on in the way of camp and evaluations especially from the football side of things and so let's start there with the situation that Nick Saban is navigating between official visits between camps between new offers a couple of new commitments Uh, I would guess that this last week or so has gone about the way you would have expected oh yeah I mean Nick say this I think this is when he thrives I've always said I know he loves to coach football but I really think recruiting and this busy section he's dealing with now, being on the field, being around the kids, coaching the kids, seeing the kids in action, you know, because a lot of the guys, you know, you hear um, basically the story will go, this coach wanted me to come. He told me they liked me, but coach needed to see me in camp. And then the kid comes to camp, gets an offer from Nick Saban. So obviously he loves to see these guys in person. Um, you know, you've seen a few offensive linemen get that kind of treatment this week. You've seen just everybody. So I think this is where they, they thrive the most because, you know, we've, we've harped on this. And I, I really can't say it enough, but, man, the camp evaluations for this staff, and I know it's important to other staffs. So I'm not saying they're the only ones going off camp evaluations. But, man, these camp evaluations has always been the most important thing for Alabama. William Sanders, one of those evaluations, I guess, here of late. Tim, the offensive lineman from Brookwood High School right there in the Tuscaloosa area, you don't typically associate uh, Alabama offers with Brookwood High School, uh, but William Sanders, you watch this guy's huddle. 
He's got agility. He plays in a wing T offense, or he has in high school. So he's asked to pull and do some things in space, and uh, very impressive. And sounds like Alabama may be in pretty good shape with William Sanders. I think so. Joseph Hastings, uh, our young recruiting guy, went and saw him this week and said the visit went really well. He's a one, you know, he's one that uh, Alabama wanted to see. Nick Saban wanted to see in person. That's the thing about like Eric Wolford. I mean, not to not to judge anybody else who's been at Alabama on the offensive line, but we keep saying the same thing. He has a type, and he wants the big guys, the big butts, the ones that move well. Uh, literally cares nothing for star rankings whatsoever. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's ever even been mentioned with him. But uh, yeah, I guess this kid into camp. You know, I talked to a former guy connected to the Alabama program. Just sent him his film out of curiosity because, like you, I love the film. I mean, it's it's fantastic film when you look at the interior guy that could play probably either guard position or the the center position. And uh, the first thing he said to me is, he said he's got a lot of Chance Warmack in him, and wow. I. Was, Damn, because, you know, Chance, and, you know, he's thinking about Chance, you know, people, you know, I guess younger people might think of Chance in the NFL, but he's thinking about Chance at Alabama, where he was a dominant, dominant offensive lineman who ended up in the top 10 picks in the NFL draft. So it's kind of what I thought, uh, probably not as big as Chance was. Remember, Chance always had that big belly, that big gut, that big, you know, that strength actually came from it, I think. But this kid's close to 300 pounds, moves well. You see it on his film. He's got good, you know, he's got really good film. He's got really good feet, likes to engage, really likes to get to that second level or chase down a, a guy to block. So another, you know, another big camp offer. And I do think Alabama's in good shape there. Yeah, they pulled Sanders in that buck sweep in that wing T offense at Brookwood. And somebody on the edge is going to pay for it. I mean, you yeah. watch the highlights and he just, he buries some people uh, on those huddle clips. So, uh, I wanted to ask you that, too, though, in, in relation to all these evaluations. Is it offensive line that, that you think is maybe most important for getting these guys in front of these coaches? And uh, Because you think of Sanders and you think of a wing T offense, I'm sure Wolf wanted to see this guy you know, as a pass protector because, frankly, that's just not something he's probably done a lot of in that offense. Yeah, I think the the chance to see OL versus DL is limited when you look at other positions. I mean, a, a cornerback and a wide receiver, you know, you're able to get a good look at them in high school. They're probably playing seven on seven. Uh, so you can get a good – a lot of those guys play basketball, you know, so you can get a chance to see what kind of hips he's got, how fluid he is, what his explosion is like, his vertical. You can see a lot of that there. But with a big man, you, you know, I think that the – the camp evaluation is important because you got big man on big man. And when you look at high school, in Alabama camp, you're going to have a pretty good guy on a pretty good guy. When you look at high school, that's not always the case. You know, you get a, you know, Andre Smith never really saw a defensive guy that was his equal. You know, there's not many, you know, there are cases at the higher level where they're playing better competition, but a lot of times they're just simply outmatching people. So that's something that factors into these camps. I know for Alabama, I know for, for Wolf, that seeing these kids in camp is just absolutely a must for the most part. Um, I know it means the most to him, and Alabama's always like to – and uh, also the quarterback. You know, I think they like to see the quarterback throw, toss it around. And I've never really actually confirmed this, although I've seen it hurt, you know, hinted at. I also think they like to get the quarterback on at the camps to see how he blends with everybody else, you know. How is he in the locker room? How is he in the huddle? How is he with strangers? Uh, you know, kids he doesn't know. So kind of that leadership ability. But yeah, I think offensive linemen and defensive linemen is going to be up there a pretty good bit. And speaking of that, uh, the recent commitment for Alabama, I guess, Tim, coming from Joseph Ayanata, an offensive lineman from Clearwater, Florida. Uh, sounds like once he had that firm offer in place, didn't take him long to go ahead and make that commitment. Yeah, he's an interesting one. Again, talking about Wolf, uh, Wolford went, went down and saw him several times, really liked him, saw him in the spring. Uh, the kid, from my understanding, didn't really want to camp. He, I think the, that he didn't want to camp for one because he thought he'd have to camp for, you know, a lot of people are going to ask him to camp. But he had several big-time programs trying to get him there to get a look at him. Uh, they ended up agreeing to come to Alabama, got the offer, uh, you know, talking to people close to to Joseph, you know, Wilford was really confident that Nick Saban would like what he saw, and he did. So they offered him, 
FSU legacy committed pretty much on the spot. So, you know, another guy, this is another positional value guy, uh, got got long arms, 33-inch arms, can play center, can play the guards position. I think he's a left tackle in high school, though. So when you're seeing these guys, uh, that positional value, you remember Barrett Jones for Alabama, one of the most valuable sure. college, you know, one of the most valuable college offensive linemen careers I've ever seen anywhere, a guy that just could bounce to basically any position and help a team out. So these guys that can play multiple positions are just increase their stock with Alabama. Looking ahead to 2025, Alabama picks up a commitment from, I got to guess, a, a pretty fast running back. You go by turbo, right? You're not a plotter. So Anthony Rogers, now of IMG Academy, previously Pike Road uh, there in the state of Alabama, commits to the Crimson Tide, according to uh, On3. He is the 13th ranked running back for the class of 2025. Regardless of the rankings, this looks like a guy that at five foot eight, 185, a little bit of a different build than what we typically see maybe for Alabama backs. But uh, again, the film tells the story, I think, for the most part. Yeah, you nicknamed Turbo. That's not one of those reverse things when you call <laughs> Big Man Tiny. You know what I mean? They don't. If you're super slow, they don't call you Turbo. So that guy has an extra gear. And, you know, it's not just speed. You know, you look at these running backs, and we've seen, you and I have seen so many over the years. You see those instincts, you know, it's like like Mark Ingram. You know, those instincts jump out, you know, when they're in traffic. And there's a lot happening. You go through the middle, you know, you cross that line of scrimmage, get by, past that defensive line, and you're basically in a circle of activity. So making that plant, that cut left, right, that's, you know, that's all the difference. That jump cut and all that, that's all the difference in uh, getting out and getting open and make you know, you know, gaining some ground so he does that really well has a knack for the end zone too when you when you watch him but he's just a guy playing you know you know there's nobody out there that's running with him right now so he's a guy that's uh just a head and shoulders and I think you know when you look back I think he's pretty much he's very similar to the size of Jamar Gibbs in high school and of course you know Gibbs is rocked up now we're seeing the college version um of him, and I've seen a few play, plays at Detroit. He's doing really well. I think he's going to be a great fit for that offense. But pretty much, roughly that same size, you know. And he, you know, for being, I think when you look at, it, he's a 2025, so it's hard to compare 16, you know, 16, yeah. you know, with, you know, with the Gibbs. But physically, I think if you saw Gibbs at 16 and him, I think it's pretty comparable. By the way, Pike Road high school had a pretty good running back a couple of years ago that got out of state to Ole Miss and Quinshawn Judkins. Uh, Alabama's hoping this time, I guess, that uh, Rogers goes out of state to just IMG before making his way to Tuscaloosa. Hey, Tim, let's get into some other topics as well here on the T Watts and TR edition of the Bama online podcast. A pretty big visitor here, I guess, in the last couple of days when it comes to Nate Oates's basketball team and understanding the holes that this team now has to fill, especially with the departure of Charles Bediaco staying in the NBA draft process. But uh, based on what you've told us there with a nugget or two on the round table and uh, what our reporting has been, uh, is Nate Oates basically a finalist at this point, uh, at least for Grant Nelson, the transfer from North Dakota State? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're going to get <clears throat> his plans go now. And of course, Chan's plans often change. He came in Tuesday for an official visit to Alabama. He's leaving this morning, uh, should be on his way to Arkansas. Joseph Hastings has an interview coming with his dad that's just now going to be posted here in the next few minutes while we're talking. We were talking about it before <clears throat> I did the podcast, but Alabama's in it. I mean, the, from a talking to people close to him, the, the fit and the playing opportunity there is huge. Of course, he's going to Arkansas. It's another good program. Um, they do a good job recruiting. They definitely have NIL money. You know, they're another team that's that you know that's in that top ten to fifteen category <clears throat> currently in the nation. So he's going to go there. He's got a one day visit. Uh, I think you know with the you know again with the NIL, it's hard to make super predictions on a transfer portal. I don't know how much that'll factor in. Nelson and his family's been pretty quiet, but I'll tell you this. Alabama did a five-star effort recruiting him, getting him on campus. They've done everything they could, uh, you know, everything they could to land him. And also, you know, people see the NIL. I think the NIL is the boogeyman 
for a lot of schools because I see it on every message board. But you know, all these schools got money. Bama's not broke. You know, they're not they're not out here standing by the interstate selling flowers. You know, trying to get money. They Alabama's got some nil money of their own. So um, I think that all has to be factored in. But I think just the feedback I've got, the uh, the uh, actual visit for Grant Nelson, his father came with him. Couldn't have went any better. He heads to Arkansas for a short visit. It's my understanding he's supposed to have a decision this weekend, but also you never know if he's going to get confused between the two schools or he might, you know, he might know right away what he wants to do, but no official date has been set. But Alabama's definitely in there. 611 Grant Nelson, and we'll talk more about him as we get into the roundtable mailbag coming up here in just a little bit. So, Tim, um, you know, kind of lost in all this. Uh, to to some extent anyway, is this just unimaginable run by the Alabama baseball team as it gets ready to take on top seed Wake Forest this weekend in super regional action in North Carolina. That super regional gets underway on Saturday, midday on Saturday for Alabama and the Demon Deeks. Um, you know, you look at this and you think, wow, you know, Wake's obviously – uh, one of the elite teams in college baseball this season with that number one overall seed. That being said, I, I get the sense that Alabama's pretty much okay going anywhere at this point. I mean, you talk about resiliency and it, it withstanding adversity and everything that goes along with that. Uh, Jason Jackson's club, I don't think, is going to be phased all that much by going on the road for the Super. I mean, this is kind of the playing with house money, right? Isn't this the old cliche? I mean, you go. That's the problem with the situation. All the analogies we want to make go back to kind of Vegas. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I I wouldn't bet against Alabama at this point. But you know what? I don't care. I think it's true. I think think it is, too. I think these guys. I tried to work around that all week. And it's just like, wow. I knew this question was coming. But I couldn't find another cliche, and I think that fits the best because, you know, they did not expect. I think you see this run, and I think it's motivated by what, by what they think happened. It has to be. They have to be pissed. Um, also think it helps when you've got everybody in line on the same page. I think Jackson has done it. Look, now Jackson, I heard his name a lot when uh, when uh, even when Bohannon was the uh, – um, was the head coach. I would hear his name a lot. Like when I would ask about a recruit, you know, who got this, you know, tell me about this kid or whatever. He would say, Jackson led the way on that. Let me ask, let me ask Jason. He led the way on that. So he was a hell of a recruiter anyways. Also, I met Jason back when my second son was playing, you know, pretty high level of travel ball. And a lot of those kids were, were ended up around the SEC and at other places. I met him. He's a good guy. Tell you the one thing I liked about him, you know, you know, I keep that eye out. Like when I used to go to AAU tournaments, you got the coaches that are just, you know, goofing around and not watching players. Then you got those coaches that are just sitting there evaluating the crap out of it by themselves. And Jackson was that kind of guy. A lot of college coaches would be in our workouts and uh, they'd all just be, you know, you know, you know, back, you know, slapping backs and kidding around and talking about the wife and kids. But this dude was off down the foul line. He was very seriously taking notes. So uh, I find him to be, you know, I met him the one time and I found him to be a very serious guy. So um, obviously did a tremendous job. I don't think you could really, you know, the rally around here. I just don't think you could give him enough credit regardless of what happens. And I imagine his stock's got to be high. Uh, across the nation because I you know the funny thing is the two funny things that happened to me not Alabama fans have been talking to me about about the baseball team and uh and Montana the softball pitcher I had so many texts talking about how much she how much they loved her just guys I've known for years oh yeah didn't even know I mean and they're not Alabama fans they're just when Montana left, they were literally sad. They were bombarding me with texts and talking about it and also about, you know, Alabama making this run. They're all, you know, I'm not going to say they're rooting for them, but I think they're pretty happy to see it as kind of a, you know, take that, you know, bad guy. But hell of a um, I'm Wake. I mean, obviously Wake's a very good club. But if you're Wake, you're probably looking at the Supers and thinking, you know, this this could have been an easier situation for us than – an underseeded Alabama team coming in here. 
because we saw it with Auburn going to and out on its home diamond, right, in its own regional. Uh, Alabama was, I think we can all agree, pretty much underseeded. Yeah, for sure. Um, we've seen that. You see those teams catch Uncle Mo. You remember the, the Hank Gathers, Lola Marymount team Alabama ran into. When you get a team on a mission, when they rally around something, kids and coaches, you know, they can, they can make magic happen. And I would say no matter what, I mean, I, I'm, you're never going to convince me this hasn't been just an unbelievable season um, considering everything that went on. And they were a hell of a, you know, early on, they were a really competitive baseball team. When Bohannon was still here, they were a competitive baseball team. Even those LSU games, where they had yeah. a lot, they had a lot working against them. They were still very competitive. And two out of those three games, I remember. So, um, heck of a job by everybody. You know, tip of the hat to these kids. I mean, you got you got forty kids. I don't even know how many. you got forty kids dividing up eleven and two thirds scholarships, and they're playing like this. And some of those, you know, some of those guys, my son played ball with and played with them and against them. So. It's good to see um, how well they've done, the success they have. But, again, tip of the hat for these kids just rallying up and, you know, digging deep and going to war. Would just like to see this team get it to a game three on Monday with Jacob McNary on the mound. That, that's – and, look, hey, if Alabama goes over there and wins two and on to Omaha, that's, that's even better. But realistically speaking, if they can just get it to Monday with McNary on the bump, then all the pressure is on the home team and the top seed in Wake Forest. And then you've got to line up with veteran presence, veteran production, solid up the middle defensively, especially with Jim Jarvis at shortstop and the bats that you have right now. Tommy Seidel, Drew Williamson, Andrew Pinckney, um, whatever you think of Brad Bohannon. And as you alluded to earlier, Jason Jackson, obviously, deserves a lot of credit for this part of it but this is a this is a talented club you know this this isn't the the bad news bears you know stumbling through with with buttermaker and making it to the the championship game against the yankees this is a really good baseball team with some really good players that's what i was saying even while you know before the bohannon scandal they were very competitive they lost a lot mm-hmm. of close games i think that's obviously kicked up that discussion even more but they were a competitive baseball team. I think the biggest, you know, disappointment was that Mississippi State series, and we talked about that on the podcast before. That was disappointing. But overall, this has been a good team, a fun team to watch, and um, you know, I hope they make. I mean, getting this far has been, you know, the, you know, hosting the the uh, this last this last uh, was it super regional hosting the super regional super regional. Hosting Super Regional, getting a chance to play. I mean, another number one. That team. was the Tuscaloosa Regional, yeah. yeah. Now it's the Super Regional. Okay, I got you. So now, now playing another number one overall seed and uh, getting to travel and experience. I mean, they're you know they're going to Wake Forest play the number one team. I'll guarantee you they're they're pr- they're pretty dang excited to be still playing in June. They should be for sure. So Tim, circling back to football here before we get into the roundtable mailbag for T. Watts and TR. From a football team perspective, it's also a very interesting time of year because really June 1 signifies that you have your team for the upcoming season fully or at least close to that together because the few guys that didn't come in early, guys like Keon Keeley, Yanzi Pierre, Richard Young, um, you know, you're bringing it all together. And it's also a time when we start seeing uh, Nick Saban in his boat out there on Lake Tuscaloosa. And the latest clips, more of the leadership council types that were out with Nick Saban a couple of days ago. And every year I watch these and I think, there's no way in hell I'd let Nick Saban pull me behind his boat, Tim. No way. Zero chance of that for me. He looks like a guy trying to flip you. you Sadistic. There's a little sadistic grin. You know, that comes across. He's driving backwards and looks like he knows what the hell he's doing. Like, he knows, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like got extreme confidence driving that boat. So I think he knows what he's doing. Ooh. He tells me he's going to know how to flip that wheel and send me flying. So, no, I'll sit by him and I'll watch him flip you. But no, he is not. He's not you getting know, back there. You know, that that's that's kind of written off as this fun day and a reward of sorts or. 
you know, a bonding exercise. But, you know, he's evaluating those guys, even the veterans, in terms of how they handle that situation. You know he is. He's using every opportunity to do that. I also think it's a chance to, like, punish some guys without them <laughs> for, like, being lazy in class. You know, yeah. the kid that snuck on an official a visit didn't tell them they were going. But <laughs> over, you know. That route you ran against Tennessee. Yeah, oh. We're going to get you a little payback right here without you knowing it. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good time. And I know the kid, you know, they rant and raving about it. You know, the fun thing I've liked about social media, which isn't a lot, um, but I do like the fact that Nick Saban's been, I guess, exposed is the word, as not being this this Grinch-type character. Because we heard the stories. We heard the singing and the karaoke. How many times do we hear about some Nick Saban dancing? I mean, recruits would tell me, parents would tell me, it just never drifted out. And then when they were able to kick it out on social media, you'd get a view of it. You know, you, you, you've seen him dance. You've seen him driving mini go-karts in his driveway. You've seen him shoot basketball. You've seen him on the lake. So I think you're seeing a much uh, much more normal side of Nick Saban. And you can tell a little bit more because people are like, why do you want to play for him? Because they just see the coach on the sideline yelling, you know. But I think there's a lot more to the guy. All right, Tim, let's head into the roundtable mailbag. Let's get this thing going. It's uh, pretty dense here, and uh, we always appreciate the subscribers checking in and uh, offering some questions, maybe some comments as well. And we'll start with Jared Burns, who comes in hot, who asks, favorite inside linebacker not named Lawson, Tim? I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Mike Singletary. Oh, wait a minute. He's asking about Alabama linebackers, I guess, Tim. So uh, what do you got there for uh, a favorite inside linebacker on this Alabama roster, not named Deontay Lawson? I'm not going to say he's my favorite, but I'm really intrigued by Marshall. You know, I've heard such good things about him. You know, I talked to Rusty Rusty Manziel on the Georgia site. You know, a situation where a guy was super talented, got injured. And, you know, Georgia's got some really good backers over there and fell behind. I really find him interesting. Also, of course, being a recruiting guy, Jihad Campbell might be my favorite. I was so high on him in the recruiting process. Love Lawson, obviously, so we can't mention him. But do feel that group's going to be a little bit better, especially under Kevin Steele, working uh, overseeing the whole group and you know a younger linebacker coach. Going to be fascinating to see how that whole situation plays out because certainly you expect Lawson, who sat out spring drills. Uh, while recovering from an off-season surgery to be right there in, in, in that mix. But uh, in terms of how he plays the game, I love Justin Jefferson, man. Um, the guy's just missile-like in how he pursues the football, uh, sometimes at the expense of maybe an assignment bust. Uh, but I think he's going to clean some of that stuff up. And he he brings – here's what Justin Jefferson brings, some of that – suddenness and that ability to strike and end plays before they get started. That's what he brings. And too often the last couple of years, in my opinion, we saw opposing running backs, even quarterbacks, you know, run through would be tacklers, uh, pick up yards after contact. Uh, I think when Justin Jefferson hits you and it's going to end things pretty quickly, but it is a good group. I'm with you. I really like Jahad Campbell too, because I think in terms of all around ability, pass rush, uh, ability to play in space, ability to play in coverage. You know, he's going to bring a lot of that to the mix. But, man, going into fall camp, very, very competitive situation where I th- think, depending on the package, you could have a different guy or different guys very much in the mix. If you're in base, it could be these two guys. If you're in nickel, you could sub for one of them. Uh, your Mac, I think in the dime, you want to be kind of your every down guy. But uh, good situation for Kevin Steele, uh, no doubt about it. So here we go, Southside in the mailbag, Tim. We promised to talk about the Barry finale on what is now Max. What about that, Tim? It's not HBO Max anymore, just Max. And Southside says he wants a third of the time of this podcast devoted to why Fuchs wasn't the Raven the entire time. What an amazing transformation. Yeah, I tell you, it was kind of funny because, you know, my time was so far off when I was in Europe. But I had a lot of people really unhappy about (laughs) HBO to Max. Now, bear in mind, I have no American TV. I don't even have a 
I don't have ESPN in any hotel. There's nothing over there. I'm having to do everything on the internet. And uh, so I'm missing a lot of stuff. So I didn't catch the HBO Max Max drama, but there's a lot of people upset about it. Now, by the time I got here, I guess the kinks have been worked out. I don't know the purpose of taking HBO out of it. I'm sure they have a reason. I don't know why the colors are different. Um, I know when I clicked on my HBO Max on the Fire Stick, it's, it, it just went to Max. And then when I went to it, next time I saw the icon, it was Max. They just took over. So, um, but yeah, that was funny. But Barry, yeah, I mean, Barry was, uh, and you hate to see the show in, you know what I mean? But I mean, the, 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 it's just hard to have a great ending on a show you love. But I think that one was as acceptable as anything, right? I mean, you had to mix it up. I mean, I've never, I'll tell you what, that last episode left me guessing where I thought I had it figured out multiple times and did not. Nope. I, of course, I'm still trying to, you know, keep Barry alive. So um, I'm trying to find the ways with the sun and, you know, trying to try to actually expect a little bit of a Dexter where the kid, you know, son turned into Barry, you know, Barry Jr. basically. So, um and maybe with Fuchs or something, you know, who knows? Yeah, with that, I mean, yeah, I'm trying not to give too much away. But I did. The one thing I appreciated was I hated Sally. You know, I think everybody. <laughs> I think he was kind of like Skylar on Breaking Bad. I mean, the actress was great because we literally hated her. She probably got yelled at in the streets. That's how good she was in that role. She's very annoying. But the end, I do like. This isn't much of a spoiler, but I love the guy walked up to her and said, do you want to grab coffee? And she said, no, and just walked in. <laughs> I didn't even think twice about it. He just, you know, because she'd been soft the whole movie, a pleaser, right. the whole movie. That's what kept yeah. him in. And then what she said to the one guy, you know, a really nice, decent looking guy, you know, a teacher at the school, would you like to have coffee or dinner or whatever he said? She said, no, that's it. No explanation walked off. So I thought that was a good a good closeout. They had so so many great characters on that show, though. I mean, No Ho Hank is that's ridiculous. All timer, you know. Yeah, I really would have loved and shocked. It's not a, you know that that they didn't have a you know a spinoff with No Ho Hank, and I wouldn't put it out of the question that we go back. I mean, one thing this option with with Fuchs and with with uh, like a no prequel or something. That's what maybe. I'm saying. Go back, you know, especially the guy that plays Fuchs. I mean, he's been so. <laughs> He's been. He was. The transformation to Raven was tremendous in the final season. I mean, I'm just saying that guy. He owned that. Yeah. But I'm saying that guy's been the goofy guy in, in the office. Like when I told people that, they were like, holy crap. They didn't even think about that. But he was like the biggest nerd in the office. He's been such a different character physically in so many shows that you definitely, I think, could go back. I would love to hear his backstory, you know. Love yeah. to hear Hank's backstory. So hopefully. You know, some of that, you know, some of that's in the works. But, yeah, you know, appreciate it, Southside. We wanted to talk about that anyways. But amazing show. Um, very good job by Max or HBO Max or whoever did it. Yeah, whoever. Uh, Crimson Labor uh, asked us, Tim, to rank the top three candidates at the offensive tackle position opposite J.C. Latham. Now, in the spring, what we saw was Elijah Pritchett. We certainly saw Caden. Proctor uh, in that mix. We saw Miles McVeigh. Um, we also uh, that those were the primary guys, I guess, is what we're we're talking about here. So, how would you rank them right now as, as we go into the summer months and look ahead to fall camp? You know, upside. I'm gonna go with Caden Proctor. You know, I think that uh, <clears throat> he's had just a little time on campus. I think he's going to be a big time prospect and. Sort of the key, the cherry on top of that class, which I think might be one of the best on paper. You know, I do know it's one of the best ever on paper. Might end up being the best class overall. Um, I like him a lot. We didn't mention Wilk, well, uh, Wilkin Formby. Yeah, Wilkin Formby. I like yep. him. I've heard such good things about him. Obviously, Pritchard, I mean, the, if he started left tackle in the spring game, he's did enough for the Alabama staff to like him. He's did some good stuff. So I know that spring game wasn't, you know, the ideal situation. I talked to a, a former offensive coordinator in the NFL that kind of went over the film with me. And he was talking about his kick step. His first step was just way too short. You know, you know, you had Robinson coming off that edge like he was set on fire. You know, he was just a, like he had a rocket, you know, on his back and 
Uh, he just said that first step was too short. He was off balance too often. He wasn't getting deep enough. So I think all that's fixable, but obviously he did something they liked. So I haven't been able to see practice, but I, I still think there's some upside there. Yeah, it's tough to just base everything on one practice that we did see with Elijah Pritchett. And by the way, it was a pass-happy scrimmage. So, um, you know, you're, you're not at the benefit of, say, run-pass balance. You know, when you're an offensive tackle and you're also in a lot of five-man protections and you're working against speed and understanding Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell didn't participate in the spring game. Still, Q Robinson's a guy that's been around now. For a couple of three years so uh, he's got some things that he's developed within his game uh, but I think those would be the three and you're right I, I think though when I look at this tackle class and really this OL class is it, still very very early but there there was a lot of promise when you talked about those five guys and specifically at tackle again just based on what we saw in a spring game I don't think Eric Wolf or and this staff missed with Caden Proctor Miles McVay Wilkin Formby, you know, McVay, I was very impressed with in the spring game. I, I think the thing for him is going to be continue to transform himself a little bit physically with maybe more of an emphasis on stamina because what we saw in the spring game was Miles McVay in the first half at, at right tackle and then Wilkin Formby in the second half. So, um, but, but I would, I, I'm sure you feel the same way at uh, Rock Montgomery, uh, these tackles, uh, Ola Salinan, it, it doesn't look like Alabama missed much with those guys. No, uh, and I think you've seen, you know, we've talked about this before. I think you've seen Wolf just come in with a different mentality. And I know the the on the field is is important, obviously, but off the field's really important to him. I mean, he's a, you know, you look at his Kentucky line, you know, offensive line. You look at any of his offensive line, and you know, if anybody's been around him, he gave a speech at one of the. Uh, one of the alumni groups I speak at, and I'd warned him. I said, this is an intense fellow. You're not going to leave that wondering actually what he thought. There's not a lot of interpretation. He's a high-strung guy who gets after. So he's looking for those you know, those offensive linemen that are going to be mean, nasty, you know, they're, they're going to be able to take that. So uh, we're seeing that right now kind of start to develop. We're seeing a lot of those guys jump in there and, and get in the fray, even the young guys. So let's move on to our guy, Jam Bama, here in the ba- in the Bama online roundtable mailbag, Tim, who he just he's got an easy one for you. Will Jason Jackson get the baseball job when the season is complete? You know, my sentimentally, you know, sentimental is just a <clears throat> Alabama fan. I would I would want him to, but also I know, you know, having been in this business so long and seen so much, it's just really a you know, you get that it, that's really a tough transition. I can't think of many. Dabo Sweeney's one, I guess you could say, where an assistant took over. I don't. I think more times than not, that doesn't work out great. Um, I'm not saying it wouldn't with him. I'm just saying going by the percentages. But I'd hate to lose him. You know what I mean? I'd hate to lose him because uh, uh, he would have been in Alabama with Bohannon anyways. And I would think he'd get some small college offers, right? I mean, if I'm a, if I'm a smaller school, I'm definitely looking. I, I think Jason Jackson – mid-major at least and, and maybe that's what you're referring to as a yeah, smaller he's, school he's gotta have but I, I think jason jackson's in a great spot regardless i think jason jackson tim is kind of like the guy who may not make this nfl the, the nfl team he's with late in the preseason but if he gets cut there's going to be like you yeah. know four or five teams ready to sign him that that's kind of way the, the spot i see jason jackson being in yeah, and the thing with it, like, I know this isn't the ideal way to say it, but for just Jason Jackson, <clears throat> this is probably the best-case scenario. He had a chance to be a head coach. <clears throat> he did a terrific job with it. And a lot of people that maybe didn't weren't consider, <clears throat> considering him are now looking at him in a different way. They might have just mm-hmm. seen him as an assistant coach, but now they got to look at him as a head coach. We knew he was a good recruiter. Um, now you've seen him on the field. He's definitely coaching this team. You know, obviously he has some help, but um, uh, I think his stock is up for sure. Jam Bama also asks, a successful June for Bama football recruiting looks like what, Tim? 
I think you're looking at it. I mean, what they got a top three class? They're offering the guy. And look, there's going to be guys, and this happens every June. Every June. It's going to happen June, you know, since the new signing period, or even before that. But they're going to offer guys that you're not familiar with. But just because you're a fan or a guy ranking players isn't that familiar with somebody doesn't mean that they won't get more familiar and that ranking won't go up. We see this every year. Every single year, we I remember when Amari Cooper was basically not really even known and came to camp and blew up. You know, I've seen so many guys that go in there and start hearing their name and that, you know, you see them increase their stock. Like, there's nobody going to convince me that <clears throat> William Sanders is a three star. So, there's guys that are going to see their ranking. Rankings are still, you know, nobody's better than Charles Power. You know, obviously, I'm biased. I love Charles. He's a good friend of mine. But if I hated him, Never wanted to talk to him. I still think he's the best evaluator because he explains his evaluation. I know for a fact he does the work. If we weren't friends, yeah, I know he, he does the work. I know he's willing to answer a question. I've disagreed with him dozens of times, but we always he always has a stance behind his ranking is what I appreciate. So he will catch up, but he's still eight months away from finalizing this class. I mean, there's still a lot of guys that not just Alabama related – but other places. So I think Alabama's doing the right things. They got highly ranked guys that everybody in the nation wanted. They got the top guys, some a lot of the top guys in the state. <clears throat> they're involved heavily with some of the nation's best. And they're getting the guys in camp they want while offering the guys in camp and getting a head start on their recruitment. So I'd say right now it's successful. Um, and I just think the process has slowed down a little bit. I'll be curious to see how many commitments they've got after the uh after the june period i think i predicted somebody on the board asked over four and a half <clears throat> would alabama have over four and a half commitments for basketball and football and i said over so i still think they'll get a couple more football commitments speaking of basketball jam bama also what's going to be a success for nate oates on the transfer reclassifying market and how is the next recruiting cycle for alabama hoops setting up uh yeah, that's a, I mean, I, you know, Nate, I, I trust Nate Oates. I, I don't know how at this stage, um, how you don't trust him. I just think with like three spots open, uh, targets are out there. It's possible they take two guys. They're still involved with Arthur Kaluma, obviously Grant Nelson. Looks like they're in the top two, you know, probably the leader right now, but going to Arkansas. So, um, I think he's going to be fine. I think Betty Yako kind of sent everybody for a loop. You know, I've been making calls to old connections, and I can't find anybody that thinks he's going to be drafted. Wow. Betty Yako. Now, I'm wondering if he didn't get some kind of guarantee from a team. You know, they He must have got a promise from somebody, man, like to a, stay like in. Somebody surely, had to make him a promise. Surely he got a second-round two-way contract. Two-way, yeah. Promise. And if he did, I'm not going to fault him. I looked it up the other day, and J.D. Davison's making over $500,000 his first year, and I think next year's $1.7 million. So that's some, that's some pretty good money, you know. That's some, So if he got that, but if he goes undrafted, what a waste, you know. What a what a waste. So, I mean, I think Oach is going to be fine, um, and I, you know, I don't really worry about recruiting. I think that, you know, other than the Betty Yako, everything's went pretty much normal as he expected. JMA Hallis here in the mailbag uh, asks if Jason Jackson doesn't get the full-time gig as Alabama baseball head coach, what would be the reason why? I would think that they have a proven head coach and not, and you know, obviously Jackson and his, and his short sample size is definitely a proven head coach, but I think, there's a difference between, was it 17, 18 games, and the coach has been doing it for five, six, seven, ten years. So mm -hmm. I think it would be that they could add, they, they would find a more proven head coach, a bigger named guy. Or maybe that they already have it, that guy in their back pocket, and we don't I, know it. That right? would be the reason. Though. I mean, obviously, the, the lazy answer is they feel they've got somebody better than Jackson, but I don't think it's right. on Jackson at all. As in, he's not a good coach or he's not valued. I can't imagine anybody at the University of Alabama doesn't have this guy at the top of their Christmas card list. You know, this guy really took a bad, bad situation. And, and uh, you know, just surviving the season was one thing. But to, but to thrive the rest of the season, absolutely, you know, 
the stuff you make movies about. Young Skywalker, love that username, here in the Bama Online uh, Roundtable Mailbag. <laughs> Least favorite new co-worker, Tim. Just kidding, he says. Who fills the last wide receiver spot in this 2024 football recruiting class? You know, I don't know. I think that's to be determined. They've got a lot of major targets out there. I know they like the ones they've got, obviously, and they've been uh, pretty selective. There's some bigger name guys that really haven't. Um, there's some bigger name guys that really haven't been recruited. But you know, that's kind of the that's kind of the norm with Alabama. You know, they'll have a big name guy that they uh, that that's mentioned in Alabama, and every year I have to bring the bad news that Alabama's not really. Recruiting the guy, then they get mad and say, "Well, look at his ranking." You know, we're in that, we're in that argument. I still think, you know, there's some, you know, you still got Perry Thompson taking visits, and you know, some other guys, uh, you know, you know, looking around. So I think they're going to be wide open. They're going to recruit more than one wide receiver for sure. Um, I don't have a final, you know, I don't have a prediction on the final spot just yet. It could end up being more than one. Philly to Bama wants to know or ask. Call your shot. How do the NBA Finals play out? You know, I, I had the Nuggets in six the whole time. Um, I like the Heat. I like the underdog Heat. I like playoff Jimmy. Uh, been impressed. That coaches did a terrific job. I don't think I appreciated him enough till this year. They did it without Tyler Hero, who's one of their best, uh, obviously one of their best scorers, one of their best guards. But I just think Denver's too good. You know, we had that discussion on the message board with a few, like, Denver seems like a boring team, I think, to some people because it's not really. We're so used to this sexy big three, you know, Le, you know, LeBron, Bosh, and Wade, and that carried all the way through. You know, you get with, you know, Curry, Thompson, and and, and uh, um, Draymond Green. You throw Durant, and we got so many big threes that it seems like this team's just not very good. But this is a hell of a good team. This team is deep. It's got an MVP. I mean, that guy could have joke. I mean, come on. That's I mean, we're never. I didn't enjoy Joker as long as you can because I've never seen nothing like him. In no, the unicorn. I've never. I mean, dude, he looks like the most. Brings the ball up, backs you down in the post, but shoots also, the three. It's the fumbling, mumbling, stumbling yeah. of how he scores. It's like he's in pain the whole time he, he's doing it to you. He drives yeah. at the basket, his head's down. He looks like he's got a gimpy leg, so – unbelievable murray's great i mean somebody posted on the board the other day and i went look i, I was surprised they got four top 10 picks in the on this team they got yeah. some, uh, michael porter if you remember from missouri he was a yep. that's a top three guy remember he had the back issue i think it was at the spine or the back he had the issue and he dropped to uh, 12 13 14 but michael porter was a top five pick that's you know i think he's making max money so this team to me is just too deep they're just too good um, and last night, I think they had, you know, I think Murray and uh, Joker had triple doubles, if I remember yeah. that. But it was, it's, uh, so I got the Nuggets winning in six, but, you know, tip of the hat to the Heat, Jimmy Butler, and um, very impressed. And I don't know about you, I've been arguing this with half my friends and half agree and half don't, but I love the fact it's not teams we, we it's not teams we see every year, you know? I love it's the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. You know, I don't I don't need to see the same teams every year. What I don't like is there's 10 days off between every game, seemingly. Yeah, there is the big gaps. Um, I think they thought LeBron was going to be in it. I think they were like, we're going to give my dude some rest because three <laughs> days between, uh, they had games in Denver. I think they do it to fit all the commercials in between uh, games. I just feels don't like. I just don't remember a seven-game championship series taking a month. Yeah. You know what I mean? They stretch it out. Yeah. Yeah, but Murray and Jokic Jokic go for triple doubles. Good luck. I mean, they're already enough. And then, you know, the Nuggets also get 15 from Christian Braun in 19 minutes last night. So Yeah, he's a pretty ball player, too. Yeah. Yeah, They got other dudes, no doubt about it. But but the key is – Obviously, they got two. They know night in and night out can can get it done. It's not in the bat, but did you see the? Are you watching any of the Braves Mets highlights? I saw uh, Pete Alonso yes. uh, barking from the dugout the other it's night. Funny, it hadn't gone well. Didn't go well for the Mets after that. I don't think. I didn't. I didn't get. <clears throat> I googled Pete Alonso video. I tweet. I mean, I looked on Twitter. I searched it. 
I didn't realize he's kind of like the world's biggest, like, dorky nerd guy. You know, you just expect him to be like this brass in your face, but he's not. He's a super nice guy. He's kind of awkward when he talks. Just, you know, you see a guy that big, you just assume he's just like, you know, he just take, you know, he's just taking your, you know, he's taking your cornbread, you know, like the movie Light. And uh, he's not. He's kind of a dorky, nerdy kind of guy, just a big dude and. It was kind of funny hearing his interviews, but yeah, I don't know why he threw it at, a, I don't know why he yelled at Elder, who's one of the nicest, quietest guys. Even after the game, you know, Elder said, I'd probably, you know, I'd probably act that way too if I hit one in the, you know, <laughs> you know, in the, park, <laughs> the concourse. Well, then, let, so that happened. Well, then they have the comeback and the Braves are, you know, chirp and throw it again. Well, last night, Morton, Charlie Morton, so it was the inside heater. I think they said it was 97. Caught him right on the inside of the hand. Totally, absolutely 100% accident. Just got away with him a little bit. Alonzo's a big, aggressive, strong guy. Strided in, hit him in the hand. It's not broke. But very, uh, very interesting series so far between those two. I like the fact that baseball has rivalries that get this, uh, that get, like, chirpy. I like they have it because it's too, you know, baseball's always been, too quiet for me. There's too many unwritten rules. Write the rules down, guys. Write the rules down. So, but uh, but uh, I thought it was a fun series. Want to switch to baseball for a minute? Yeah, it should be when the Braves and the Mets get together. Jim Norman here in the mailbag asks, which of Saban's previous Alabama teams most closely resembled the 2023 edition before that previous team's season? started you got a previous Nick Saban team that going into a season reminds you maybe of this next Saban team it's a tough one Uh, well you know I I'm kind of tempted to go towards 2008 but man I mean the thing we we tend to forget is that Alabama did win 11 games last season you know went 11 and 2 and so uh it certainly wasn't a seven and six team like 2007 was, but I guess in terms of just how we sort of expect Alabama to play offensively, especially this season, um, I could see the parallels being drawn there. Um, maybe 2015, Tim. Where, where where do you go with this? I mean, when's the, I mean, was Mac the last time we've kind of been uncertain about the quarterback position? 2009, 2015, yeah. yeah 2020, I, there was, but we had the benefit of at least seeing Mac and we had, we you know, play Bryce, down the stretch of the previous season, and he did some good things. Yeah, and you knew, and you knew Bryce was there, too. So, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, it's been a long time. You know, that's what I've talked about. I did, I've did a, you know, talked about this a lot in the last week or so, but it's not a bad thing. But there is uncertainty we're just not used to having. Who's the left tackle? We don't know, you know, right now. We know there's options. Who's the quarterback? We don't know right now, but we know there's options. You know, there's an uncertainty to uh, Jalen, and there's uncertainty to Ty, and there's an uncertainty to Tyler. So we don't really know. Not necessarily a bad thing. Like I said, you can look up in game five or six, and these guys are, you know, not, you know, they're they're looking like first-round draft picks and offensive lines locked down. Um, so that's one thing, but also we're not used to uncertainty. There was seven years of first round quarterback talent. Now I had a, 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 a radio guy kind of argue with me that Jalen wasn't a first round, but you can't tell me he's not a first round talent when he's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. You, I think right. in that one. So you go two years from Jalen, you know, two years with two, uh, two year, you know, year with Mac, two years with Bryce. That's that's all top fifteen picks in the NFL draft besides Jalen, who did go in the second, but obviously, you know, you know, probably, probably he's a little bit of a miss there. Hey, we still need to give the Eagles props. They draft Jalen when they got uh, Carson Wentz under the world's biggest contract coming Oof. off the Super Bowl. So the Eagles, very Bama, very Georgia friendly. Joe Panunzio's on that staff and uh, Jeff Stoutland, you know, got a little Alabama flavor there. Very sure. SEC. Yeah. Very SEC. Uh, 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 prevalent. They like the. They don't put it this way. The Eagles don't overthink it. It doesn't seem like, right? I no. mean, being a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars for years, I've seen the Jags year in and year out. Well, you know, we could take the corner from 
Florida or Georgia. Well, they, they've actually made a mistake taking a corner from Florida in the past. But the point is, we, we can take a player at the same position from an elite program in an elite league. Or, hey, we got this guy over here at, uh, you know, this D2 that we really like and we love his upside. You know, the, the Eagles don't seem to think of it that way. It's not to say they don't do their diligence across the, the spectrum when it comes to, to talent. Uh, but they do, they do like uh, their guys from big name programs. I mean, when you look, you see the classic move. Remember, they moved up to get Smitty at ten, and I know 100% the Giants were taking Smitty at eleven. So they move up to get him at ten. The Giants trade down, end up drafting uh, Tony from Florida, and I think he's already gone to the Chiefs. So that didn't yeah. last very long. So you lose Smitty, you don't get your guy. You end up taking a first round and getting a later pick. So so not good, but that just shows you and that's their division rival. So they absolutely are out there, you know, chopping stuff up. So, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Good job. Yeah. At the Eagles. Good job. Bye. We'll wrap up the mailbag this week with uh, Alabama does who asked to uh, please describe Grant Nelson's game. The transfer portal target from North Dakota state that has been in town in Tuscaloosa in recent days, visiting with Nate Oates in the Alabama basketball program. 6'11", Tim, and it looks like this guy can do a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, he's not playing the same level as the as the power fives, but, man, this guy, you know, you see him bring the ball off the floor, you see him shoot the three off the set, off the dribble. I mean, he is he is a creator. I mean, he's at the Top of the key with the basketball, creating, you know, he can dish, he can drive, he can shoot. I mean, he's got handle, he's lean, and he's long. So, um, again, you know, this would be, when you look at the system that Alabama plays with, when you look at, you know, Nick Pringle is the big man coming back and a guy that can run the floor and can facilitate, uh, you know, Grant Nelson's a better fit than Charles Bediaco. And I love Bediaco. I thought, I'm going to be, you know, Betty Yako's career is basically over because he went early. I'm going to be, I'm going to be very disappointed. Rim protector ran the floor, gave us so much, but I'm, so I'm hoping for the best. But Nelson, man, that's just a guy that's just, you know, you look, and again, it's not the, it's not the same competition, but he obviously plays division one athletes, but pretty much unstoppable as far as one-on-one guard, got a great jump shot outside the arc anytime you get a 611 guy that can take you off the dribble i mean there's just not many guys that can guard you um and again he could facilitate the offense he can iso and and run from the top of the key and 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 do all those you know do all those small things there's a reason i can't imagine that there's really many people that wouldn't take this guy if they could get him into school yeah and He's he's as good as anybody I've seen in the transfer portal. Made some big strides over the last couple of years in his scoring. Uh, I think what last season seventeen point nine and nine point three rebounds, so nearly a double double. And you're right, it's the Summit League uh, that North Dakota State participates in. Um, but I got a feeling uh, there's a pretty good reason why Arkansas is also in this thing. And that has to do with the fact that NDSU, to start the 2022-2023 season, Tim, went to Arkansas for the opener. And uh, Nelson went for 17, I believe it was, in that game. Yeah, 17 and 6. And so uh, some familiarity there for sure for Muss, where Nelson is concerned. The thing about Nelson, when you got a guy like that on that, you know, in that situation, and he plays a – SEC team or a you know a pretty good team that whole scheme that week is to stop him so the mm-hmm. seven pretty impressive that he even got that but uh yeah he's he's a talented guy regardless of where he ends up I mean this is a guy that can that can do a lot of things from a big it's shocking to see him I mean his NBA feedback must not have been great as far as first round goes maybe they want to see him get some better competition I don't I don't remember reading he worked out but he sure has the makings of a of a of a professional basketball player at some level. Yeah. And any guy from a town named devil's Lake, you know, you kind of gotta, you gotta recruit devil's Lake, North Dakota's own Grant Nelson. Tim, that's it. Yeah. Well, this is our first of many on three BAM online podcast. And you can look forward to Travis who really does make this easy, you know, Travis, you know, I don't say it enough. I hope people appreciate Travis being like a, 
you know, this to me, this podcast is me and Travis talking while one of us is on the road killing time. So <laughs> I, I enjoy it a lot. And you look forward to, you know, the recruiting guys, Andrew Bone. I've said this several times on the board, but Andrew Bone's just a absolute stud. Kermit, one of my you know closest friends, Joseph Hastings is like the, you know, he's like the road runner. You know, if that guy ain't, ain't out, I mean, just he just that dude gets after it. Yeah. I mean, he's just a great, you know, just a great young kid and just another really good. You know, all these guys, everybody we work with are great people. I've known Charlie and Travis for, I've known Travis. Oh my God. I don't even, our kids. 20 plus years. They, yeah, they grew up basically at the same time. Yeah. How old's your oldest? He is uh, 27. So he was, I think he was seven, two or, uh, I think he was seven ish when we met. Yeah. He was in school because I remember him going to school, like when he started going to school. But it's been, yeah. you know, Potter's. Yeah, great it's, it's been at least that long. Yeah. Yeah. So we've seen a lot. And then you add Andrew and Joseph, who do a great job. I've been lucky to really get to know. I've known Andrew the last few years. Uh, it's crazy. Me and Andrew have been in the same because, you know, we, we've been covering Alabama recruiting and never all these switching and swapping you see. First chance to get a first time to get a chance to work together. Clint's a young guy, uh, new, you know, kind of you know, new, you know, somebody to come in and uh, he's going to do the you know the video for us, obviously. And then Jimmy Stein's great on the message board. Loves nobody loves to talk Alabama sports more than Jimmy Stein. He will literally he probably talks it in his sleep. Probably has to sleep <laughs> on the couch because his wife can't can't take it. But just a great crew and Travis is good. You want to see all these, hear all these guys. On this show, and I'm looking, I listen to every episode I'm not on. I never listen to the episodes I'm on, but I do listen to the ones I'm not on. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's that's kind of the way I do it, too. But, Tim, enjoyed it, man. Do it again soon. It was great. Appreciate it, man. Hang out with us on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. Man, Tim Watts, I think I'm going to start calling you Chick-fil-A, all those nuggets you've had for us of late. So we got all that and more for you at BamaOnline.com. And uh, certainly appreciate you checking us out here on the Bama Online Podcast as well. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryers, thanking you once again for joining us. Until next time, so long, everybody. It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil and Body Butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the best seller's body care set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER.